Good morning, everyone. Stand with us as we open in worship. This is how we overcome. I don't know what's going on in your world, but we know the one that can help us overcome it. Sing along with us this morning. Are you feeling good today? Glad to be in the house of the Lord. Your light broke through my night, restored exceeding joy. And your grace fell like the rain and made this desert live. You have turned my morning into dancing. You have turned my sorrow into joy. You have turned. thankful this morning we don't have to stay in that sorrow that we know the one who turns all that sorrow into joy sing the second verse with us your hand lifted me up your hand lifted me up i stand on higher ground yeah your praise rose in my heart and made this valley see you have turned morning into dancing you have turned my sorrow into joy you have turned my morning into dancing you have turned my sorrow into joy all right now with this next line it says this is how we I want you to sing it out really loud this morning. Let's hear you. This is how we overcome. Come on, real loud. Here we go. This is how we overcome. This is how we overcome. This is how we overcome. I want to be able to hear you. Here we go. This is how we overcome. Pretty good. 
think you can do better though. Let's try one more time. This is how we overcome. Yeah. This is how we overcome. 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 This is how we Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you. And the this is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The this is Jesus Christ. That's why we're here this morning. And if you're here this morning and you're wondering, how can I overcome something in my life? You are in the right place because you're going to hear about Jesus Christ. Good morning, Sunset Hills Baptist. It's so good to see you all here this morning. So good to see the leaves outside. Isn't it beautiful outside right now? All the different colors. It just reminds us of all the, different, all the different wonderful things about our Lord. And if you're here this morning and you are a guest, this is the first time you've come through our doors and uh, been with us in here, we want to welcome you and say that it's so good to see you uh, here with us this morning, worshiping the Lord, and we'd love to get to know you more. And if, we, if you would, just stop by our desk out there. Hey, uh, Teresa, wave your hand right out there. Come on. There. See Miss Teresa out there? She's got the orange shirt on Miss Donna. They will take care of you. They will talk with you. They will get to know you. Uh, and they will uh, have a smile on their face. So we hope you uh, stop and see them if you're visiting with us this morning. And if you're on our live stream, uh, welcome this morning. And we, oh, you are, let's, uh, 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 <laughs> no, I'm just joking. It's coming in loud and clear this morning. And we hope that you join us on our live stream and you can worship. And if you have something to overcome, you keep singing with us right now. prosper when the darkness falls it won't prevail cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph my God will never fail no my God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna sing a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna sing a victory I'm gonna sing a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord Amen. Hey, I don't know what kind of battle you may be fighting today but God has called us to celebrate those victories and give him all the glory. Um, Sandy, if you will, will you just take a minute and share with us a doctor report that you guys got this week? I will be happy to. Ooh. Guys, I know you guys have been an amazing, amazing church family to our family personally, and you have lifted us up in prayer for scary things for things that you know involve fear and unknown so thank you for giving me the opportunity to also allow you to praise with us um keegan had scans on thursday his tumor in his abdomen has shrunk from 10 centimeters down to 3.3 centimeters 
even more than that. The type of cancer that he had also there's a type of this cancer that he was diagnosed with and this particular type of cancer can just kind of sit there hopefully because it's so responsive to the chemo that he's been undergoing and so they're not even from an oncology standpoint concerned at this point that it's just gonna maybe just sit there and continue to shrink. Um, she's hoping, she's saying that she expects that it could keep shrinking a little, but even if it doesn't, she said, as far as I am concerned, we are really good at kicking cancer in the butt and that we have done that and she is claiming that he is cured. So um, we still have one more visit with his surgeon to just write that off to make sure that they are in agreement that it doesn't have to be removed but that it can sit and just be watched and so we are just so so grateful for you guys i absolutely give a major credit to the doctors and all of their expertise guys but i a hundred percent know and believe in my heart that it it is, it is through God and it is through the power of 500 plus people praying for us that, that the outcome is what it is. And I understand that it's not always that outcome and that doesn't, that shouldn't decrease the power of our prayer because ultimately it is God's will. But I'm just so thankful that we get to share the good news um, of this particular outcome and he'll be doing surveillance for years to come but um we are going to we are going to celebrate in the the here and now so thank you so much so none of this was planned but that's the way it should be right you just keep playing that's fine <laughs> okay one moment we're going to give a prayer of thanksgiving for that but as Sandy was speaking and we took time to do this we have three other people in our church that are dealing with cancer right now that I know of and while we're grateful we're absolutely grateful for what God has done in Keegan's life and we want to remember others that are going through this terrible disease. But it's not just that, it's not just cancer. It's anything that is bothering us. As the song says, that we can bring it before the Lord and there's gonna be a victory. There's gonna be a victory. There is always a victory, always, no matter what it is. So would you join me in prayer as we Praise God for what he's done in Keegan's life. So we lift up others that are going through cancer and other issues, maybe health-related or maybe it's just uh, relationships, something we just need to bring before the Lord. Father, we do that now. We claim victory because of what Jesus has done. He is victorious over every kind of ill that we have in our life, every kind of problem. 
And just as a Hearn family, I've trusted you in this. I pray for these other three families that are facing this cancer. We pray for other families that are going through different types of problems. Father, as we bring it before you, whatever it is, we, may we lay it down and just surrender it to you. And that whatever the outcome is, that we'll be able to trust you that it is the victory that is found in Jesus Christ. For it's in him we have hope. And it's in him we praise. We pray this in his name. And all the church says, amen. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. And every war he wages, he will win. And I'm not backing down from any giant Cause I know how this story ends Yes, we know, know how this story ends I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord
day that death surrendered to the mighty cross of Jesus Christ, the earth would shake beneath the weight of darkened skies. crown of sorrow for a king whose weakness was our strength no word he spoke his love was shown for all to see oh the cross of Jesus Christ
just the ladies on this next verse. Ladies, let's hear you.
I feel like these last few weeks I've had to start out just with an explanation on what's going on with my face. It's like, so last week I had surgery on this right eye, and some of you look at it and says, wait a minute, you got a problem over here this week, and I, I appreciate you noticing that it was that eye, this one, that caused the problems, and now I got situation with this one over here, and I did. I went back and saw my uh, dermatologist, and he took some places off of my cheek and off of my forehead. So I, I, I said, you know, I told him as he was doing this, I said, man, am I going to have a black eye from this, and is it going to swell? And he said, yeah, probably. I said, here I'm going to have to explain to my church again this week as to why I've got a black eye and why it's swollen. And he says, just tell him you turn the other cheek. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? Very good for a Lutheran guy. So it's not bad. Well, I didn't really mean to turn the other cheek because he made a lot of money off of turning the other cheek, but that's the case. I have a few more places that I need to take, have taken off over the next few months. So I'm not going to explain anymore. If I come in, I'll just bandaged up. You'll know. It's, it's, um, I'm just trying to make myself look better. That's all I can say about it. Huh? What to do when? We've been in this series for the last several weeks now. We're going to finish up today. The last week I started out the first part of this sermon. I told you then that it was going to be a two-part sermon, what to do when, and uh, we're dealing with the second part of it. Really, it's the, it's the first part of this. We, we sort of dealt with the bad decisions that are so easy to make last week in the life of David, and this week we're going to kind of spend a little bit of time on what to do when you are guilty of that. So if you really want to follow along, or if you really want to get some backstory to all of this, you can find it in 1 Samuel, starting with chapter 11. Up to this time, really, David's been a great king, and he was at the pinnacle of his, uh, of his career as king, as leader of Israel, and he, he had had great success. His throne had been established, his enemies had been subdued for the time being, and preparations were being made for the building of the temple in Jerusalem, and all was going well. So, so far, up through uh, chapter 10, you've been hearing good things about David, generally speaking. Then comes that shocker to us of what he does. It's a, and you, you already know what he's done. I'll go over that again. We'll kind of refer to it. But really what this serves to me as a, a, a grave reminder that no one is immune from sin. We're all guilty of it. We all have sin. Sometimes our sins are, are great, and we're, we are just as guilty as David was, was. So before we get too hard on David, we should take a good look at our own life and say, what's the sin in my life right now? Uh, so if you were here last week, we looked at this time when David's life, when he made a very bad decision that started leading to other bad decisions, a series of them, and ended up with him uh, being responsible for a murder, the murder of Uriah the Hittite, also known as the husband of Bathsheba. And while David was supposed to be at war, he rather he's than going to battle with his soldiers, he stays back. And while his army's out fighting, he's walking around the roof of the palace, and he sees a beautiful woman bathing, and we, we understand that. And what started out as lust leads to adultery and then to murder, as we talked about last week. So if you're not familiar with the story, again, you can read the account in 2 Samuel chapter 11. 
I told you last week, uh, in my sermon last week, that David had violated the sixth commandment of committing murder. Actually, he did violate this commandment, but he violated some other commandments as well. Actually, uh, someone has figured he violated six different commandments. He violated the first one uh, by seeking his desires over God. He committed adultery, breaking the seventh commandment. He had stolen, that broke the eighth commandment. He had taken actions of lying and deception toward Uriah, breaking the ninth commandment. And then he coveted, violating the tenth commandment. So he is guilty of breaking a lot of commandments. And so last week I spent most of the time talking about those bad decisions. And this chapter ends with, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. How would you like to be known that way? Maybe throughout all of history. You go from a man after God's own heart to the Lord was displeased with what you had done. I don't know about you, but that's a sad characterization of one's relationship with God. But the Lord... Think of it. I, I don't want this on my, on my tombstone. But the Lord was displeased with what Steve had done. That, that doesn't sound very good, does it? I don't want to live that way. It's not what I want to have. British evangelist and Bible teacher G. Campbell Morgan uh, of the last century said this about the biblical account that we find in 2 Samuel chapter 11. He said, In the whole of the Old Testament literature, there is no chapter. Now think about it. He's looking at the whole of Old Testament, and he's saying there is no chapter more tragic or full of solemn and searching warning than this. So if it's that kind of emphasis that's placed on it, by recognized by G. Campbell Morgan, it seems to me we ought to take notice of this as well in our time today. This series of bad decisions that David would eventually lead, it would lead to great consequences that he would have to contend with the rest of his life. What were some of those consequences? An unwanted pregnancy, the murder of a trusted friend, eventually a dead baby, a daughter raped by his son, one son murdered by another son, a civil war that led, led by one of his sons, a son who imitates David's lack of self-control, leading him and much of Israel away from God. Those were dire circumstances and consequences that, that you can trace back to what David had done. The final chapters of David's life were filled with all sorts of troubles brought on mostly because of his own personal poor decisions. So we continue the story by looking at the last verse of chapter 11. I've already given you a portion of it, but let me back up and say this. After a time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, talk about Bathsheba, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done, as we said earlier, displeased the Lord. I want us to kind of look at this for a minute. 
Because you would think that someone who had understood his guilt, had understood all the things that he had done, would have immediately gone to God and said, God, forgive me, I've sinned against you, forgive me of what I've done. But that's not the case. So as you look at this, you know that there's a few months at least that have transpired between what happens here when he's brought to, uh, he brings Bathsheba to his, his house and then bears him or bore him a son. So some months have taken place. He moves her into his house. And during this time, David has an opportunity to start repenting uh, of those sins that had caused such displeasure with God. He, he doesn't do that, however. And instead, he continues with this cover-up, and he just basically simply moves on. David started with this, uh, with kind of the way that we deal with sin, quite honestly. He commits a crime, and then he tries to figure out a way to cover it up. And, and then he makes attempts to camouflage it, as if it's not there. Isn't that so typical of what mankind does today? It's been that way since the beginning of time. Remember what Adam and Eve did when God was searching for them after they had eaten from the forbidden tree? They were what? They were hiding. They tried to cover up what they had done. They don't immediately seek out forgiveness of God. Instead, they go and hide themselves among the trees in the garden. How often do we see that in today's culture? We see people try to hide our sins. We try to justify them. We try to blame it on others. All the wrong ways of dealing with sin that we're so familiar with. And we pretend that it's not there, that the only person that we're really deceiving is ourselves, because we know it's there, and so does God. And this self-imposes barriers to God when we attempt to do this. Now, again, you would think that David, after going through what he did, uh, he would desperately want to take care of this but that again that's not what he does Satan tries to convince us it's not that big a deal what we've done he wants us to think that God doesn't really care about how we live our lives culture tries to convince us that everything's okay just please yourself just go out and have some pleasure and have some fun it doesn't really matter how you choose to live your life. Uh, just do it. Just go for it. There won't be any consequences to your action. But what we're about to discover is there, in fact, was consequences that, aro that, aro that arose in David's life. And he had to deal with them. It was interfering with him having peace and happiness, as we'll discover. The evidence of this is found in a different psalm that he wrote. If you want to turn there, it's the 32nd psalm. And there are five verses in there that I'm going to kind of cover. I'm going to take them out of order, but I want us first to look at what David was feeling during this time 
when he should have been feeling repentance, but rather he was, as he was reflecting years later, writing about it, this psalm tells us. Watch this. Verse 3 and verses 4. When I refuse to confess my sin, he's talking about what he's done, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Now, this is a really sad disposition in life. Think about it. He says, body wasting away, groaning all day long. Doesn't it, sound, it doesn't sound like he's experiencing a whole lot of joy and pleasure in his life during this time. In fact, he's miserable. Remember, he is the king with all of his grandeur and with all of his power and all of his prestige and all of his privilege, and he gets the woman that he wanted. But he lives every day as this, these verses describe. Another way of me kind of saying it or paraphrasing it, his experiences that he had such great, that he strove after so hard, that he did so much in life to cover up, those experiences were now sucking the life out of him. Life for him was just, he was just going through the motions. He's miserable, but not yet repentant. And he's experiencing the result of displeasure of God. Now, here's a lesson that we can learn. And there are many lessons we can learn, but here's one. Our sin creates God's displeasure, which in turn creates our misery. You cannot escape this especially if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Sin creates displeasure, and you will live in misery because of what you've done against God. If you're a child of God, the temporary pleasure found in sin will not bring you happiness. In fact, it brings you the opposite. It brings misery. And we see this in David's life. God, in his loving kindness, does not want to leave us in this kind of condition. And neither did he want to leave David in this condition. I, I, I read where a pastor said this. It was Pastor Colin Smith. He said, someone who has really never loved the Lord. Now watch this. I hope you're not guilty of this. I hope this doesn't indict you. Someone who has never loved the Lord will not miss when he's gone. But if you are the Lord's, you know, and you will experience that you can really never be happy as long as you're hiding from him. It's very true. Let me read it again because I want it to sink in. Someone who has really never loved the Lord will not miss when he's gone. But if you are the Lord's, you know and you will experience that you can never <clears throat> be happy 
as long as you're hiding from him. We're about to see this in chapter 12 of 2 Samuel. It's proof that David really was the Lord. So we're going to pick up there with verse 1. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had brought, bought. He raised that little lamb, and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. I'd say this little lamb is cared for, wouldn't you? One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been bad enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite and the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, this is sad, watch this. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me and taken Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all of Israel. Man, there, there, there are so many sermons just right there that... I could just I could preach them all day long. I'm not. I'm just gonna gotta deal with this part of it. Of what Nathan does and how he handles it. He brings up the matter before the king through a story. Now let me ask you, have you ever had someone call you out for something you did? Have you anybody? Nobody. Two. Three. Now we're finally getting some honesty. You lying people. <laughs> I had someone call me out this week. Yep, on Monday. It was clearly wrong. I mean, it's one of those times when you, you know you're in the wrong. You shouldn't do it. And in my case, I got caught red-handed. Not only do you get caught red-handed, you get called out for it. How do you react in that situation? Getting called out for something you're guilty of is no picnic, as I experienced this week. I'm embarrassed to admit it. I am ashamed of what I did. 
And I'm making a full confession before you this morning to show how transparent I am by telling you this shameful act that I did this week. You wonder, what in the world did you do? And it happened right here in Nolansville, where I am somewhat known. Before I make this confession to you, I want you to know that what I did is really out of character for me. I, I normally would never do this. I'm not a serial offender of this act that I that I did, <laughs> perpetuated. I'm not even sure what came over me. And to be all, I was doing it, I did this act right before I go to visit someone about joining our church. Actually, I found myself doing some of the very actions that I preached about last week where people justify their sin. I have found that if I'm not careful in my preaching, I will turn around and do some of the same thing that I'm preaching against on Sunday morning. And I'm going to put it out there because I got called out over what I did just to make this point. On Monday, I had some business to attend to at one of the banks here in Nolansville. And after I finished at the bank on my way to make that visit to talk to someone about church membership, I decided to stop at one of the stores to get some breath mints. So I was driving in my little, what I call my get-around-town car, my little Toyota Corolla, and there was a few days' worth of trash in the front seat. So I gathered this up as I drove through in, after I drove into the parking lot of that store, and I got out of the car with uh, basically an armload of trash. I looked around for a minute or two, passing by the front doors a couple of different times, to try to find a trash can, which I could not find. So when I didn't find the trash can, I decided to place my trash in one of the shopping baskets that were right beside the front door, just out of sight of the person who was watching me. And empty-handed, I headed through the front doors to get my breath mints. Right there in front of several other co-workers and other customers, the person said to me in a rather loud and clear voice, Sir, didn't you just have a bunch of trash in your hands? I said, Yes, I did. To which she replied, What did you do with it? I put it in one of the shopping baskets out front. With a rather commanding and threatening voice, she said to me, Would you go get it? It wasn't a question. It was a command. I'm thinking, I didn't want this trash in my car. I wanted to throw it away properly. I looked for a trash can. I didn't find a trash can. I told her I'd be happy to, which was really a lie. I wasn't happy to, 
In fact, in these very brief moments, I was experiencing all kinds of different emotions. Rage, embarrassment, on the verge of copying an attitude. I'm the customer. How dare you call me out? As I got to thinking about it on my way to visit the potential church members, I hope they'll be church members after this, I vowed I would never step foot in that store again. (laughs) There's another one just like it three miles up the road. I'll go there. I carried this all day long and into the night and into the next morning. I even bragged about what I did to the staff in staff meeting on Tuesday morning. I did respond nicely to her command to go get my trash. I went back and I got my trash out of that I put in that buggy. And I also got someone else's trash that had already been placed there. To which I walked back through the doors and said, here's my trash. I also have someone else's trash, which she had paid no attention to whatsoever. I said, what am I supposed to do with this? I was caught red-handed and she had no qualms about calling me out and here's the reality I was guilty and there was only one thing to do what was it admit my guilt Now, I tried to figure out a way to tell you the rest of the story in other parts of the sermon. I didn't want to interrupt the flow at that point. But let me just tell you how it ended. Once she confronted me, and I finally worked through all of my rage and embarrassment and justification and all those things we tend to do when we get caught at something, the Lord started talking to me about it. Knowing that I was going to preach this sermon this Sunday, I said, I could not let that go. I have to do something about this. So on Wednesday, I went by the store and asked to see this young lady, who in fact is the manager of the store. She'd already left for the day. Oh, great. I'm off the hook. No. I went back on Thursday. And she was about the only one in the store working that I could tell. Doing all the work, putting up stock, and checking people out. And she happened to be there, and I said, Hi there, are you the manager? She said, Yes. I said, um, I I need to talk with you about something. I said, I don't know if you remember me, but on Monday, you called me out for placing trash in the basket out front. And I could tell, as anybody would react to that, oh, no, what's coming? I said to her, I came by here to apologize for what I did. I should not have placed that trash 
in those shopping carts. And I just want you to know that I apologize for doing that. And a big smile comes across her face. And I said, will you forgive me? And she says, oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> it's not the response I got on Monday. <laughs> but I'll take it. It was important to me to make it right with this woman. Now, I... I, I I want to back up, and I want to tell you about this idea of being caught red-handed, of me being guilty. That's exactly where Nathan finds David. It's exactly where David discovers, after he's confronted from Nathan, where Nathan says, you are the man. How incriminating. And Nathan goes on to recount the facts and state the consequences of his sin. However, I want you to understand this. He does it in a very loving way. It's very stern what he says, but it is God's message to him. And he disciplines David basically as a loving father does. And watch what happens in verse 13. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And then Nathan replied, Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. The important thing I want you to see here right now is David's, David confesses. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't debate it. There's no beating around the bush about it. There are no excuses, no shifting of blame. He doesn't blame Bathsheba for bathing on the rooftop naked. He doesn't say, you put me in these difficult and tempting circumstances. David finally, he finally gets around to owning his sin. And that is a lesson that we should see in our lives. We need to take responsibility for our sin. And that's really one of the main points, if not the only point that I'll make that is important. Take responsibility for your sins. The first and most important step. If you don't take responsibility for it, there won't be any recovery from it. David finally gets to that point. If you go back to the 32nd Psalm after he's reflected, years later, he says this in verse 5. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Now, I want you to see this right here. He says, I confessed my sins. He says... I stopped trying to hide my guilt. He says, I said to who? He didn't say it to others. He said to myself, I will confess what? My rebellion. He's owning it. He said, I'm guilty of this. 
He says, I have sinned against the Lord. He understands this, and something we all should really understand, that his sin, our sin, is really targeted against God. Any sin that we do ultimately is targeted against God, including dumping trash in someone else's basket in front of their store. That's a target against God, essentially. Sin is a big deal. Amen? You with me? It is a personal betrayal against God. But there's a good side to it. So what is that? When we are at the point where David finds himself, at that point of confession, when we realize that our sin is ultimately against God, it should serve as a motivation to seek restoration that comes through confession and repentance. David would eventually come to recognize to live a life outside of the fellowship with God is not a life worth living. You know what happened? We find it in Nathan's immediate response. He says, yes, David, you sinned against the Lord, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. Now, I don't know about you, but you ought to be seeing kind of a salvation message in this right now of what Jesus does for us. Yeah, you've sinned. You're all guilty of it. We're all guilty. But if you do something, your sins can be forgiven. You see, David, God could have chosen many other ways to deal with David. He could have just ended David's reign as king over Israel right then and there. He, he could have used David's enemies to come and destroy David and his family. There were certainly enough enemies throughout the land that had the capacity to do that. He could have easily said, I'm just going to withdraw my presence from him. He can remain king. He can carry on. I'll just leave him to his own devices, and I will not have anything else to do with him. But God doesn't do any of that. Instead... You see what he does? He was forgiven. You forgave me. And watch this. All my guilt is gone. How refreshing that must have been. God loved David so much that he goes to the great lengths to show his love by sending Nathan to call him into forgiveness. The Lord has forgiven you. What powerful words they are. The Lord has forgiven you. What a gift that we don't deserve. David certainly didn't. But that's how he chose to deal with David. And that's how God chooses to deal with us. Through forgiveness. You see, sin disrupts fellowship with God and with others. But forgiveness brings, confession brings forgiveness 
and restoration. You remember what John says, 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, He is what? Faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and pure us, purify us from all unrighteousness. Man, there's so many lessons we can learn from David's life. And one of those is this. And it's very true for us to understand this. There is no sin that we do that is outside of God's forgiveness. God went to great lengths to show His love for us and to offer the ultimate way to obtain forgiveness. And how did he do it? He did it in the cross that Jesus bore in order that we might be set free from the burden of sin. Complete forgiveness, beautifully expressed in his actions. Described in one of the great hymns of all time, it goes like this. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part... But the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Can you say it with me? Praise the Lord, O my soul. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Oh, it's my prayer today that we are all able to proclaim what David proclaimed in the his psalm of confession. You go back to verse 2, 1 and 2 of the psalm, of the 32nd psalm. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Amen? But the big question is this. Are we willing to seek God and ask for forgiveness. Will we accept the greatest gift that could ever be offered for our forgiveness? Would you pray with me? If you've never sought out forgiveness from a loving God who the Bible says didn't come into this world to condemn the world but to save the world to offer forgiveness for a sin that there's no way in any way whatsoever that we could ever obtain forgiveness except through that of Jesus Christ and what he did on behalf of our sin and what he did on the cross so if you've never done that, God is saying, why not today? Why not come and ask for forgiveness? Say, so, well, you don't know what I've done. Well, no. I know what David did. And he, had, he was forgiven. And certainly if David can 
get forgiveness from God for what he did, certainly whatever it is that we've done, we can obtain forgiveness. That's true for the unsaved, and that's that's true for the believer. So for someone who may be stuck in unforgiven sin, that might make you feel dirty and alienated from God. Maybe you've been dealing with it for a long time. You're just like David. You've just been putting it off. You've just been living with it. My prayer is today that you recognize that that's really no way to live, that God has something so much better when we come before Him and say, I confess my sin. God, I ask you for forgiveness. And the Bible says he was faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Father, I pray that in this time, if there's someone who's dealing with some sin that needs to be dealt with, that right now, right now, they'll come before you. And they'll lay it before you and confess it. And be able to live in the state of forgiveness that brings joy back to that relationship with you. And Father, I pray that if there's someone here that needs to do some business in this altar, maybe just coming and kneeling and praying, or maybe if they want me to pray with them for something, or... Maybe they just need to come and and give their life to you for the very first time that today, right now, they will be obedient and step out of that aisle and make their way here to settle things with you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand. Jesus.
seated, please. Hasn't it been good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I uh, just want to give you one kind of footnote to my story and encourage you. You see, yeah, ultimately my, my sin of placing trash in front of the dollar store that I went and I told you where it was. Uh, yeah, it was a sin against God. But bless that young girl's heart. It was never good to create work for someone else. I, that, that, that very morning, just before I go over there, I was out picking up trash in front of the, uh, in the, on the lawn out here in front. And here I go putting trash over there. But here's what I, here's what I want to tell you. I finally got a chance to see her on Thursday morning. It lifted a burden off of me. We often sin against God, yeah, ultimately. But we often sin against others. And, and if you want... Living with sin against others is not a good place to be either. So... If you're kind of guilty of that, I thought you were done with your sermon. I'm almost, I'm, I'm this close, okay? If you want to have a burden relieved, if you've sinned against someone else, actually, if someone's sinned against you, we've got a responsibility, according to Matthew 18. Go to that person and talk to him. If we sin against someone else, it's amazing the burden will be lifted off of you, okay? I'm done now. No, you're not. No, no you're I'm not. not. Uh, talk about our Thanksgiving food tree. Well, I was hoping you'd give me just a minute to get my breath. Go I ahead will. and make announcements, then I'll talk about that. I will. All right. I want to talk about our student fall retreat that's going to be happening this coming weekend. That's good. Um, we have uh, quite a few students that have signed up, and we still have more students that are signing up. So I, I, I don't give you a final number. I'll give it to you on Sunday. But uh, we are looking forward to, uh, we have several adults that are going to be heading up to Smithfield, Tennessee, and uh, we'll be spending the weekend with several of our middle school and high school students. It's going to be a really great weekend, and we're so looking forward to it. We covet your prayers. Uh, we, we believe that there's going to be students there that God's going to do some business with, and uh, so we, we cover your prayers about that. Also, we're doing a coat drive right now uh, as the weather starts to kind of get crisp and cool. Uh, we are collecting coats for the Nolensville Clothing Closet, and uh, we would be glad to accept your new or gently used coats of all sizes, uh, so you can drop those off in the foyer. There's a big bin before November 1st. That's this next week? Yes, sir. Well, next week. Next week, yes. So uh, I'm going to talk about Nolensville Food Bank for a moment. I don't know if you're ever out here. I think it's on Thursdays when they're handing out food. And they do this at, at, down the street at Providence Baptist Church, who's been responsible for that. that. That organization is about to become their own 501c3. There's such a need out here for people to have food, and it's just growing and growing. And our church has supported that through um, various ways. And we were meeting this week, and we thought, what are the needs that exist in our community? And that is a real need, maybe not in the immediate community, we don't know for sure, but literally there are cars lined up through that parking lot, many cars, many families who receive food 
maybe it's one of the few sources they have in today's time through the Nolansville Food Bank. So what we're going to ask you to do this, this, this year and with uh, kind of this holiday food drive, this Thanksgiving food drive, uh, we're, we're joining with Friday Friends here, and we're going to ask you to bring in more than you normally would. In fact, we've got a special area out in the foyer that uh, is designated right where the welcome kiosk usually sits, and you'll see an area that's taped off. And what we want to do is see that area filled up with canned goods and with perishables, non-perishables, I should say, non-perishables that... Um, uh, are just overflowing, really. We don't want to just fill up the, the taped area inside the floor. We want to see that become a mountain of food. Will you do that? Will you help with uh, a ministry, a mission, a local mission to provide food for hungry families over this uh, between now and Thanksgiving? So if you would do that, just bring your food in. Don't wait. You know, If you uh, have a chance, you're out at the grocery store, you see, see things that... Uh, are, are you think would be good? I think there uh, says canned yams, beans, corn, cranberry sauce, uh, can't re- et cetera, is what that says. And, and so bring your et cetera and all sorts of things and help us help people within our community, okay? We good? Pastor Mike, let's talk about trunk or treat coming up this Wednesday. Trunk or treat, trunk or treat. We're not going to ask you all to smell the feet. Uh, this week, but we are going to ask you all to pray if you're uh, planning on being here or if you have other plans. Please pray for our trunk or treat this Wednesday night uh, at 6 o'clock. If you are participating, if you have a car that you have signed up for in the lobby, and and by the way, thank you all for those of you who have signed up. We have 25, I believe 25 cars that are going to be here, uh, and we still have spots open. If you are want to participate this Wednesday, we won't turn you away. We'd love to have another car or two uh, out there, but it's going to be this Wednesday. It's from 6 to 7.30. It's an early release day for Williamson County Schools, so to pick the kids up early, get those costumes on, bring them on down. We're going to have hot dogs grilling. Um, if you want to come on down and help, there's going to be a photo booth that's going to be set up. Uh, there's going to be lights everywhere. We need people to help greet. So there's plenty of opportunities to step in and make our community feel welcome and loved uh, by our church. Um, we specifically need help with uh, stuffing some water bottles. There are four big boxes of Sunset Hills water bottles that are in the kitchen with tracks, gospel tracks that are Halloween themed on top of those. If you want to take one of those boxes and stuff those, it won't take but maybe a half hour and bring those back Wednesday, you go for it. You just let me know, send me a message and let me know you got one of those boxes. But they're in the kitchen, so on the way out, just feel free to grab one of those. Um, If you are uh, one of our participants and you're bringing a car, if you could, after church this morning, I would just love to meet with you guys just for five minutes down here in the front um, after service this morning so we can go over kind of what we're going to expect for Wednesday night. We're expecting a big crowd. Um, Again, if you're not going to be here, ma'am, just go ahead and pray for us. It's going to be a a fun, fun time. Lots of kid, lots of candy, so we might get some of those... um, uh, cattle prods out, straight jackets. We'll see. It depends on how much sugar they eat, but it's going to be a fun time for our community, so we hope you'll come out. Amen. Hey, stand with me as we close in worship. Pastor Steve, I inadvertently, I was shopping for the uh, fall retreat this weekend, and I inadvertently, in the self-checkout at Sam's, missed a container of Parmesan cheese, and uh, I got caught at the door. Very similar situation, uh, so I'm going to have to go back this week and find a manager, I believe, so it was a uh, Confession is good for the soul. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today, God. Thank you for the lessons that you um, 
God, allow us to see through other people's lives so that, God, we don't have to painfully go through those lessons necessarily ourselves, but, God, that we can just see through your word, God, things that other people went through and, and the outcome that, God, when we have a disobedient heart and we're not called to repentance, God, that, that it does not lead to life with you. God, this week as we go about our community, let us be a lighthouse and, and reflect your love and everything that we do. Lord, let us point to the cross and draw others to Jesus. In your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.